Well, today we are um, wrapping up our series on uh, on discipleship in in the Book of Mark, and um, and this series I've I've really thoroughly enjoyed this series. Um, there's been a couple of things that have uh, really stood out to me, and one of the things that, that stood out to me um, was in Mark five, and I preached a sermon on uh, on Jairus. And the story of Jairus um, has one that since I looked at that in depth has dramatically changed like my life. And it's one of those times where God just reveals scripture to you and just like it's, um, it's helped me simplify a lot of things. But in the story of Jairus, what I love is that you have this man who is in desperate need. He walks up to Jesus and his daughter is dying at home. He walks up to Jesus and he gets on his knees before Jesus and he says, Jesus, come into my house. My daughter is dying. And Jesus responds and replies to him, I'll come with you. And so they start walking towards Jairus' house. As they're walking towards Jairus' house, two men from Jairus' house come towards them and say to Jairus, "Um, your daughter is dead. Um, Don't bother the teacher any longer. And Jesus' response to Jairus is one of the most beautiful and profound and simple responses, but I just it, it hit me so, so hard. Jesus' response to Jairus is these two men come to Jairus and proclaim death over his household. Jesus' response to Jairus is this simple one found in Mark verse 4, chapter 5, verse 36, do not be afraid, just believe. And where these two men have spoken death over his daughter and have proclaimed death over Jairus' household, Jesus turns to him in the most simple, um, non-anxious, most beautiful way, most profound way, says to Jairus, do not be afraid, just believe. And they continue walking towards Jairus' house. As Jesus gets to Jairus' house, um, he walks in and he finds everyone mourning the death of this 12-year-old girl. Um, and what does Jesus do? He kicks everyone out because they are mourning a scene of death. And what Jesus is going to do is going to proclaim life where there is death. He walks up to this little girl. He says to everyone, do not be afraid. She is just sleeping. And they laugh at him. They mock him. He walks up to this little girl and speaks life over her and raises her from the dead. What hit me in this story was um, the posture that Jairus takes is really profound. But it's really simple. He does something where he walks up to Jesus and he gets on his knees and his posture before him is to honour the king and really, really simply invite Jesus into his household. As he does that, Jesus walks with him, walks into Jairus' house and raises what, who was dead to life. He raises his little girl from death to life. And it's this really simple posture where all Jairus did was invite the king into his house by getting on his knees and asking him to walk with him. And Jesus' response always is, yes, I will walk with you. And the conclusion of the story is that this 12-year-old girl goes from death to life. But the thing I love is the pivotal moment in this story, the middle of this story, where Jesus turns to Jairus and says, do not be afraid, just believe. One of the other things I've loved throughout this series was um, when Marbs came in and talked about um, Baptist World Aid. And he had this one line that really stuck with me. He says that there are God-sized answers for human-sized problems. And if you look at all throughout Scripture, we find all these moments where we as humans, where we as people have these issues, these struggles, these things that we are wrestling with. Um, these everyday situations that are difficult, these over 
overarchingly profound moments in our life that are really difficult. And there are always kingdom-sized answers that are bigger than our problems, no matter how grand our problems are. And I loved how Marv's framed it. There are always God-sized answers for human-sized problems. What I want to look at today as we finish this series on discipleship in the book of Mark is this idea of belief. To be a disciple really simply means to follow. Um, And one of the absolute key um, aspects of being a follower is found in this idea of belief. This word in the Greek is pestuo. And it's found 248 times throughout the New Testament. It's used um, 70 different times in different stories. um, And Jesus references this word belief constantly throughout his teaching. Pursuo, belief, basically means to have faith in. It means to entrust. It means to commit to with everything that you have. And this is why, like, we are here, right? We are not a club. We're not a sporting team. Um, What we are is a group of people who are believers or who are on this journey of belief. The thing that unites us in this room today, the thing that unites us as a family, the thing that unites us as a church is that we believe. We believe in Jesus. We believe in who he says he is. We believe that he is sovereign. We believe that he is the King of Kings. And the thing that unites us as family, the thing that unites us as brothers and sisters is that we believe in Jesus, that we are committed to Jesus, that we have entrusted our lives towards him or we are on this journey of entrusting our lives towards him. We are here because we believe that there is a spiritual realm. We are here because we have eyes of faith. We are united because we, we believe in what we cannot see, as Hebrews 11.1 1 talks about. We are here because we believe in Jesus. We are united because we believe in the Father. We are united because we believe in the Spirit. And although we cannot see these things, these, see God, although we cannot see Him with our eyes for the most of the time, um, we believe. And we put our hope in what we cannot see, as Hebrews 11.1 says. We are here because we believe in the heavenly realms. We believe in an eternal life. We believe that we want to usher in the kingdom of heaven in the here and now. We believe in angels. We believe in demons. We believe in what we cannot see. And we are united in that belief. And the faith that we carry, the faith that we carry, the belief that we carry is powerful because of who we believe in. We are not just united because we believe in something and we believe in the same thing. We are united because we believe the belief that we carry is in the King of Kings and in the Lord of Lords. The belief that we carry is in the author of life, the one who spoke the world into existence and everything was as it is. We are united because we believe in Jesus, we believe in the Father, we believe in the Spirit and we are united in that. And Jesus carries all authority. He carries all power. He carries all grace. He carries all mercy. And he is a God that is completely kind. And we are united in him. We believe in a father who loves us. And we believe in a father who carries and ushers in grace. So pursuo, this word belief that's used 248 times in the New Testament, is this idea of entrusting ourselves to God and putting our faith in God um, with everything that we have. The Greek word pursuo is a verb 
And the idea of this word is, word is that it is a constant posture that we will take. Sometimes when we think about, when we're sharing our testimony or we think about our faith, we think about it as this transaction, this one-off moment that happened. And when we use the word belief, when we talk about believing in Jesus, we often think about this one moment that, that happened for us. It would have been this really profound moment for us. Um, but this word pastuo is talking about this constant belief, this everyday posture of belief, this everyday posture that like Jairus had where he went up to the king and he got on his knees and invited Jesus into his household. This idea of belief is that we are people of faith who constantly allow Jesus into our household. We are people who constantly allow Jesus into our situations. We are people who constantly want to invite the king into the everyday and we allow our postures to reflect that. We choose to believe that God's answers are bigger than our problems. And so we choose to constantly want to believe that his ways are higher than our ways. And so the most natural posture for us in that is that we will invite God into our households on a daily basis. Belief is not passive. It's why it is the greatest weapon that we have. It's why Hebrews 11, when we look at all the heroes of the faith in Hebrews 11, people who were described as the world was not worthy of them, people who accomplished incredible things in this life, the thing that they were credited with was faith, was belief. People who achieved all this incredible stuff for the kingdom of God, at the heart of who they were, they were people of faith. So what I want to do today is I want to go, I want to look at scripture and I want to look at lots of scripture. Um, if you've got your Bibles, I really encourage you to get them out. Um, and uh, I'm going to read scripture over us um, for a large section of this morning. Because what I want to do is look at this word believe and look at the way in which Jesus uses it. And then look at the blessings that come for those who believe, for those who posture themselves in ways where we show that we believe. So the first one is in John 3.16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes, pastuo, in him shall not perish, but will have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes, it's the key verb in this, in this passage, shall not perish, but have eternal life. In John 7 verse 38, we read, Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow within them. Whoever believes, whoever entrusts, whoever commits to Jesus, whoever puts their faith in Jesus, rivers of living water will flow from within them. In Romans 3 verse 22, we read, This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by free, freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Whoever believes is made righteous. Whoever believes is made right with God. In Romans 10 verse 9, it says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you confess and that you are saved. 
Whoever believes in their heart that God raised Jesus from the dead will be saved. There is a lot of power in this word and there's a reason that Jesus repeats this over and over and over throughout the four Gospels. There's a reason that the Gospel writers pick this up throughout the New Testament and keep repeating it over and over and over because it is is at the very heart of our faith. It is at the very heart of why we are here. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Whoever believes, whoever believes pleases God and will be rewarded. That's a beautiful idea. When we believe, When we have a posture of belief, we please God. It is not through our striving. It is not through what we do. It is not through the the ways in which we use our energy or use our time. The thing that pleases God, that dictates so much of the rest of our life, is our belief in Him. It's a profound idea and it is so incredibly simple. And that's the beauty of it. In Matthew 21, verse 22, we read, Jesus replied, Truly, I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. That's a powerful, powerful passage. It's convicting. It's challenging. Whoever believes will receive what they ask for in prayer. In John 6 verse 35, we read, Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. We live in a world that is really, really desperate for happiness, really desperate for joy, really desperate for satisfaction. We live in a culture that is lonely. And here we have these words where Jesus is saying, whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. Will never go thirsty. In John 11, verse 27, we read this exchange with Martha. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live. Even though he dies and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Jesus said. Yes, Lord, Martha told him, I believe that you are the Christ, son of God, who was to come into the world. And So here we read, whoever believes will live. And it is not... There's two aspects to this. And we know from John 10.10 10 that um, in this life, whoever believes will not just live in this life, but will live life to the full. But we also know in this exchange with Martha that Jesus is talking about this eternal life that we will live. That this life we are in right now is, is, um, is an, a small part, this tiny little fragment of what will be um, eternity. 
as Lewis talks about, this is the first chapter of what will be the most beautiful and um, profound story that we are a part of. And we are walking in the first chapter of what heaven will be because we believe. Whoever believes will live. In John 11 verse 40, we read this, raising Lazarus, Lazarus from the dead, Jesus says, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? If you have faith, if you entrust, if you commit yourself to God and you do that, you posture yourself on a, in that on a daily basis, you allow him into your situations on a constant basis, Jesus is saying to us, you will see the glory of God. You will see the glory of God practically in your relationships, in your workplaces, in the things that you are wrestling with, in the things that you are struggling with in yourself. You will see the glory of God. In John 12 verse 44 we read, Yet at the same time, many even among the leaders believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise from men more than the praise from God. And then Jesus cried out, When a man believes in me, he does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. When he looks at me, he sees the one who sent me. And I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in the darkness. I love this, this um, theme that John picks up on in, in regards to light and darkness throughout his writings. But just this really simple idea, whoever believes will walk out of the darkness and will live in the light. In John 20 verse 27, Jesus, uh, there's an exchange with Thomas and he says, Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God, and then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet they believed. Whoever believes will be blessed is the promise that we get in John 20 verse 27. In Acts 16 verse 29, we read um, an incredible story. I encourage you this week, go away and read Acts 16. Um, Bowl reminded me of this last week, but this story, I'm going to pick up a snippet of it. In Acts um, 16 verse 29, it says, The jailer called for lights. He rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your whole household. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all others in his house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. And then immediately he and his whole family were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. There's this beautiful exchange that happens in this story where um, the jailer is led to Jesus. The jailer is led to Christ. He is led to believe believe in God and who um, who he is. And that changes how he lives. He then goes and offers hospitality. It changes his whole family's narrative and his whole family's story. And the thing that I love that 
the jailer and his family are filled with, they're filled with joy. Because they believed, the consequence of their belief in the author of life is that they are filled with overwhelming joy for him and his whole household. What a byproduct, what a consequence, what a fruit of the seed that was planted in that man's life of belief. Whoever believes will be filled with joy. Mark picks up on this word belief constantly throughout his writings and there's a few key passages that Mark looks at. Um, and we've been studying Mark for the last uh, last eight weeks, nine weeks. This idea of discipleship is that to follow, you must believe. Jesus is constantly repeating this to his disciples. In Mark 1 verse 15, when he is talking about bringing his disciples to him to follow him, he says to them, the time has come, the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe the good news. It's the root of discipleship. It's the root of following. In Mark 9 verse 24, we read this incredible story and I want to read it to us. This morning is just going to be a lot of scripture. In Mark 9, we read this story. In verse 14, it says, When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. And Jesus says, what he said, what are you arguing with them about? A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought your, you my son, who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground and he foams at the mouth, mouth gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. And Jesus replied, Oh, unbelieving generation, how long shall I put up with you? How long shall I put up with you? How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. And so they brought him, and when the Spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And listen to this reply. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. You have this exchange between a father who is bringing his son towards to, to Jesus' disciples for healing. This boy has been from the from the beginning of his life, hasn't been able to speak and has had a demon possessing him, throwing him into the fire and into convulsions on a constant basis. Think of that, what that would have been like for this father. He brings his boy to the disciples and the disciples are not able to do anything. And his posture towards Jesus is beautiful, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus replied, everything is possible for him who believes. And how good is this posture that the father takes in response? Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute, mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And the spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. And the boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. 
Everything is possible for him who believes. There are always kingdom-sized answers for the human-sized questions that we have, no matter how big the human-sized questions are. We carry the author of life. We carry the, the Spirit of God wherever we go. So the passage we're looking at today, and we're not going to look at that, this in great detail because these passages bring light to the passage that we're looking at. But the passage we're finishing on in this series is found in, Matthew, in Mark 16, verse 9 to 19. And there's an aspect to the Great Commission, is, is what this is often referred to as. There's an aspect to the Great Commission that I've never seen before and I've never read before. So in Mark 16, verse 9 to 11, we read, When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. And when they heard Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, what was their response? They did not believe. They've spent three years with Jesus. And constantly, he has been speaking these promises of belief over them. The thing that he has been reminding the disciples, his followers, over and over and over, the thing that he's been trying to help them to understand is that the most important thing that they will do with their life, the most important thing that they will do with their being is to believe, to entrust him, to commit themselves to him. And he dies on the cross. Three days later, Mary walks, is running up to them, all excited, and tells them, I have seen the risen Lord. And their response, we don't believe you. We do not believe you. In verse 12 to 13, we read afterwards, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them. And while they were walking in a different country, these two returned and reported it to the rest of the disciples and their response. They did not believe them either. In verse 14, we read, Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. These are the verses that are introing the, the, the famous passage of the Great Commission that we all know. This is the posture of the disciples before they're given the Great Commission. So after three years of being taught about belief, their response to those who come and share the good news that Jesus is alive, that he has risen from the dead, is that they did not believe. So Jesus rebukes them for their lack of faith and for their stubborn refusal to believe. And then he gives them the great commission. In verse 15 to 16, it says, He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these are the signs that will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will place their hands on people who are ill and they will get well. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. And then the disciples went out and preached everywhere 
And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. The Great Commission is that all of us have been commissioned to go out into all the world and preach the good news. But the thing I wanted to remind us of this morning is that what we carry is belief. We are people of faith. We are people who trust in that that we do not see. And in that, we carry all these blessings of the kingdom. As believers, we carry heaven-sized answers wherever we go. You might have family that are struggling at the moment. You might have a grandchild at the moment who you are really worried for. There are so many things that you can do for that grandchild or for that child. You can bless them in so many practical ways. But what I've been learning, what I've been really thankful for as a father of, of kids is grandparents that pray for their kids and for their grandkids. The most profound thing that we carry in any situation and for any person is faith. Because we have the opportunity like Jairus to invite Jesus into our household. And whenever Jesus is invited into a household, there is life. As a parent, as a grandparent, the most profound thing that you will ever do for your families is to invite Jesus into the situations that you are worrying about or you are anxious about in your family. The most profound thing you will do as a boss is to invite Jesus into your workplace and into the situations that are going on in your workplace. As believers, we are told, and Jesus is the one that is telling us these things over and over, we are told that we carry eternal life, that we carry living water, that we carry salvation, that we carry heavenly rewards, we carry blessing, we carry life to the full, we carry relationship with the King, we carry light, we carry glory, we carry joy, we carry the miraculous, and we carry this posture where everything is possible for him or her who believes. Our belief will shape who we are and therefore will shape what we do. So we are given the Great Commission to go out into all the world and preach the good news. The thing that we will do that will impact this world more than anything is for us to believe. It is not this one-off exchange. It is this daily posture where, like Jairus, we get before the king and we believe and we invite him into our household. We invite him into the lives of those who we are caring about, those who we are um, responsible for in many ways. The most important thing we will do in this life is to believe. The greatest gift we can give in this, to the world is belief. And the Great Commission is that we would help others to see that Jesus is worth believing in. And I love that posture. Oh Lord, help us in our unbelief. Let me pray for us. Father, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you that you have spoken life over us. Father, I want to thank you for what you did on the cross. That you took our shame, you took our infirmities, you took the 
the darkness that we can carry. And Father, you paid the price for our life. Father, I thank you that you rose again three days later, that you defeated death, that you stared death in the eyes and said, where is your sting? Father, I thank you that you are the author and perfecter of our faith. I thank you that you make following you the most joyful, pleasant, beautiful thing that we will ever do. I thank you that it is not about our striving. It is not about how hard we work. I thank you that it is about how we put our gaze upon you in all circumstances of our life. Father, I thank you that you want to and you desire to fill our lives with good things. I thank you that you want to pour your grace and your mercy and your love into every area of our life and that we carry your fruit, we carry your spirit wherever we go. I thank you that you've commissioned us to work with you in the renewal of this world. So, Father, as we go out into this week, I thank you that you have given us profound kingdom answers for the questions and the issues that we face. I thank you that you work with us wherever we go, that your desire is to walk with us wherever we go. But, Father, I just want to pray that this week you would help us in our unbelief. Where there is so much distraction, where there is so much that can take our gaze away from you, where there are so many things that present themselves as more magnificent and more glorious than you. Father, I want to pray that you would simplify our lives and our hearts and help us to focus on you. Father, I want to pray that you would remind us that the most powerful thing that we will ever do is to place our faith in you, to trust you with every area of our life. Father, I want to pray that as a family, we would be a people who are marked by faith. That we would be a people who are known for our belief in you. That we are known for our belief that you will work in the most profound, beautiful ways in the everyday. So, Father, we thank you for the countless examples that we have throughout Scripture. We thank you that you remind us over and over again that to be a follower of you means to believe. So, Father, help us in our unbelief. And we thank you for the blessings that come when we cast our gaze upon you, when we humble ourselves before you and we invite you into our household. In your name, amen.